1: Oh, we should troll Jason. We should look when we, should, yeah, we yeah. tweet. It's like, see, I mean, success is, is putting Jason back into all caps. That's, that's, that's the KPI. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If you don't already subscribe to Turpentine's industry-leading newsletters, like our new daily AI newsletter, Emergent Behavior, or Media Empires, you should. But that's not what I'm here to tell you about. The platform we use to power these newsletters is called Beehive, and it's excellent. First of all, it was started by the same early team who helped build Morning Brew into a $75 million newsletter business. And they built Beehive to offer that same powerful functionality to anyone sending emails. From essayists to business owners, the platform is beautiful, their text editor is intuitive, and they help you scale your audience with custom growth features. Beehive has powerful tools to help you monetize your content. You can easily launch paid subscriptions or pursue an advertising model. The Beehive platform will even connect you to premium brands to sponsor your newsletter. Not only do we use them, but thousands of the top newsletters in the world also use them, like Milk Road, Blockworks, The Lindy Newsletter, and so many more. Beehive's founder hooked up Moment of Zen listeners with a sweet deal. Get 20% off for three months with code MOZ. Visit beehive.com, that's dot com to get started.
2: I-, I wonder if we should like, just start given context on the bet or something, or like, uh, like, should we do any intro?
3: Everyone knows what's happening. Like if, yeah. if, if you're finding out about this bet for the first time on this podcast, uh, <laughs> a, how, how are you listening to this podcast? And it's just like living under a rock on Twitter. <laughs> so I think, I think what we should be trying to do is the 201 version, right? Yeah. Like, and, and actually what I would like to do is, is push him on. What is the nuance that you feel like you're, you know, when you're having to fight with Taleb and yeah matt levine and all these people who kind of like want to add hominem reduce you down for dunks like yeah. here's a group of people i don't I, I mean i'm my skin in the game here is i'm sitting in the us i'm not not outside the us I'm still saying in dollars but i think we can have an intellectual interesting conversation about it looking good valji
4: well thanks guys
3: i mean the the whole svb thing if you think about how
4: fast that happened kind of quickly the idea that a business checking account. That, that you might have some warning that it was going to zero that that was that was a bailout right that entire language of just like a blitzkrieg on your bank account zero it out and blame the victim just to explain what actually happened there do you, do you know what actually happened with SVB I have um an article that lays it out okay at a high level what actually happened people tried to blame SVB on the depositors. Um, and they tried to make it seem like it was some, you know, bailout or something like that, but what actually happened, what's actually happened. And this is almost like insane to understand is as in 2008, the bankers lied, but now it's not just like the, the retail bankers this time it's the central bankers, the banks and the banking regulators. They have lied to all dollar holders and depositors. Basically the money is gone. Um, there are unrealized losses that are absolutely colossal. All the debts are coming due and they knew that SVB and others were insolvent, but they never notified you the depositor. Okay. And they allowed their banks to hide their literal insolvency in footnotes until one guy figured it out. So let me go through that. Cause it's a huge charge. Okay. When you fully understand the scope of that, that's an enormous charge. I'm going to go through these six links. Okay. So first here is the federal reserve bank of Kansas city. Okay. This is September 8th, 2022. The rising interest rate and in, in, environment has led to unrealized lost position in community banks. Now, one of the things to understand about finance is, um, the jargon is it's intentionally opaque to fool both them and others. Okay. Like, uh, in, in 2008, that you might see people tweeting, tell me you don't know what a CDO is without telling me you don't know what a CDO is. And the whole point is that nobody knew what a CDO was, including the guy selling it or the guy buying it, it was meant to have combined condescension. And, you know, like, oh, the smart guys have figured it out. And so and people just quote words, without fully understanding them. But ultimately the fundamental test of reality was, is this guy paying a mortgage or not? Um, and all the slicing and all the complexity made the obvious question hard to answer for other than an outsider who's coming into the system. So if that was what it was in 2008, that, you know, the. The houses, the mortgages weren't being paid The simple fact here. The simple fact is that the banks are insolvent. Okay. And just to show you like this graph over here that looks down into the right in a pretty nasty way. Okay. And fundamentally what this r- release is saying is at the end of 2021. Okay. December 2021, which is like 18 months ago, only four community banks had tangible equity capital ratio. So they defined this stat, you know, tangible equity capital. Okay. Who knows what it actually means in their thing, their quantity of definition. But here's the thing. That number increased to 333 at June 3rd, 2022, indicating less ability to sustain economic shocks. Wait a second. This number went from four to 333 in six months. That's a lot, right? That's a 75X increase in essentially, though they don't put it quite this bluntly, there's now 333 insolvent community banks. That was was as of September. Okay. Meaning economic shock. Like if you come to get your money out. All right, here's another, here's FDIC, November 30th, 2022 FDIC worried about growing unrealized losses. And again, it's all meant to kind of confuse you, but the, the basic concept, you know, something that you are aware of is it's uncle Sam Bankman freed. Okay. You know how Sam Bankman freed had assets, which, you know, he had this balance sheet with the crazy numbers or whatever on it. Right. And. He had convinced himself and perhaps others that these numbers on the balance sheet were worth what he said they were worth. But when people came to get their money out, they found that the money was gone, right? And that Bankman fried was either fooling himself or fooling others. He's still like in this delusional mode, but he simply did not have the Bitcoin when people said that they wanted their Bitcoin, right? Fundamentally the mark to mark basis of his assets, what he, he might've said, oh, I bought it for 50 Bitcoin and now it's worth 10 Bitcoin. He might've thought that he could get away with keeping it high when it was low, but it just wasn't worth that. He went and took his customer's deposits, gambled them, lost money, hit it, hoped they wouldn't find out, right? That's the situation we have now. Uncle Sam Bankman freed every depositor in the U S <laughs> every depositor, not just in the U S who has a bank, which listens to the federal reserve and fed guidance. They basically, uh, you know, and I, and I, outlined the story here. Okay. Um, they basically all bought bonds. Okay. In, in 2021 banks are binging on bonds, but not because they want to say so all bought these low interest rate bonds, August 25th, 2021. Okay. This is like mid 2021. And then what happened was, um, Jerome Powell did a surprise. Here we are. He said he was going to be patient on hiking rates. He. Uh, did a, so he said here is November 3rd, 2020 is patient on hiking rates. He got reelected. Okay. November or renominated, whatever November 22nd, 2021, then he hiked rates to the moon. And that basically the high interest rate, they, they basically just destroyed all of the assets of all of the banks at the same time. Okay. And the way to see this is these guys are, you know, FDIC admits this when they say unrealized loss in banks, bond portfolios, right? As the Federal Reserve has rapidly raised interest rates, the value of many bonds that banks owned have dropped. That has led to significant unrealized losses in banks available for sale securities. The industry recorded 423 billion in losses, grew even larger in the third quarter. These are substantial unrealized losses that could impact our institutions. For a banker or bank regulators say this in their internal communications is actually relatively clear, but it's not like he's saying, hmm, actually the money is gone. And if you come to the bank to ask for your money, they won't have it in dollars because they can't sell these things for dollars at that time. So they're hoping you won't come get it. Here's a speech again, FDIC, just a a few days before the SVB crisis, March 6, 2023. All right. Um, and he's saying the current interest rate environment has had dramatic effects on the profitability and risk profile of banks, funding and investment strategies as a result of the higher interest rates. Okay. These things got destroyed. Okay. So most banks have some amount of unrealized losses. And just to give you a visual on this, just to give you a sense of the scale of this, because the visuals are important. Okay. These are not like normal kinds of graphs. Okay. Well, first of all, this is the fed itself. The fed is now, you know, down into the right. This is the graph that the FDIC chair is referring to. Okay. This is the financial crisis. This is the level of what he's calling unrealized losses. It's basically the markdown. That would become real. If the banks had to give you your dollars when you ask for them. Okay. This is then the one for the community bank. So this is the community banks. This is the like commercial banks, like Bank of America and so on are on here. SVB and, and this is the central bank. All the banks (laughs) are out of money and they're hoping you don't come and look. Okay. Do you understand the scale of what I'm talking about? That is actually insane. All right. And well, can, uh, I jump in, can, can, can I jump in for a second? Yes.
1: So, I mean, you're probably right that those are unrealized losses, right? But again, there's and we went into this in the last podcast. There's a big difference between insolvency and illiquidity, right? Insolvency, insolvency actually means your debts are higher than your assets and your equity should be zero. Illiquidity means I have a bill to pay. I can cover it with the wealth I have. But like it's it's in like in my house, and you can't like sell one tenth of the house. You're right. saying that you're saying that there's massive gains in treasury, but that's true. But they're backed up by the U.S. Treasury, right?
4: So we get to phase two, right? Okay. So or really phase three. So essentially, what happened was, um, none of the banks had enough dollars on hand in the event that I mean, it's not. I'm, I'm simplifying it because it, again, all the stuff is made intentionally complex. Let's put it: none of the banks had enough liquid assets on hand. Okay. If enough depositors came and asked for their money, the money was gone. And but but, that, but that's true of any bank. That's, I know. That's true that's, of any bank. I know. And I, I, exactly. So that's, again, the whole thing is meant for camouflage. This is not your typical fractional reserve situation. There isn't enough in the banks on a mark to market basis to cover withdrawals. They knew this through all of last year. This is not the typical fractional reserve situation. It's far worse than that. That's why SVB collapsed. 12 days ago, 14 days ago, we had zero dead banks. Suddenly we have, um, Already, we have Silvergate, we have SVB, we have Signature, we have Credit Suisse, we have First Republic. Okay, and 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 this is important. As per my model, but nobody else's model. WSJ finally acknowledged dozens of banks may have risks similar to Silicon Valley Bank. 186 banks that may be prone to similar risks. Dude, but no, they, I mean they do, come on, dude. Like you, we all live in Silicon Valley.
1: SCB is unique. And that most of its depositors is 10000 startup CEOs that spent too much time on Twitter and basically memed the bank run into existence. And that's simply not true of most other American banks. It's, it's just
4: not. All right. I think you're wrong about this and I'll give you several reasons why. First right. is, uh, does, does Credit Suisse have like huge numbers of, um, why did Credit Suisse just suddenly go under?
3: Th- that's because the the trader in Asia blew them up and, and they've been kind of a dead, like limping along animal since. It's, it's, a, different, it's a different issue. Your mental model is that there will be no more bank collapses. No, I, I think that there probably will be some other banks that go Because yeah, I want to be very
4: specific about what your claim is. So it's a falsifiable claim because your mental model is, oh, G, no, th- there's still money in some of the banks. It's still okay. Right? My model is there isn't, and the BTFP program is now allowing, basically what happened was a few of the banks now had these bank runs. And BTFP, as I'll show you, they have now printed like Independence Day levels of insane money printing to send it to the banks so that when giant runs come, they have enough money to cover their deposits. So they have just basically gone and they caused these huge losses. And now they've printed those losses and they've just basically turned all of that into like liquid cash. They have massively increased the amount of liquid cash in the system. So we're in endgame, we're in the space where all the the debts are being printed away.
3: How does that cash end up in the economy in this case, Bob? Uh, Here,
4: so here, I'll show. And again, it's something where it is intended to be confusing, but if you look at the uh, Bianco research tweet, so one thing is in the previous, oh yeah, so first of all, here is, okay, this was the Fed's previous policy. Okay. You know, it's like reducing its balance sheet and so on, blah, blah, blah. And then in the last week, okay, in one week, reversed half of all the QT, $300 billion, okay, newly printed money. Now, here's the thing. Do you know what they said March 12th? Actually, here, I'll show it to you here. Um, oops. So, one thing to keep in mind, all right, is um, do you know who Jean Claude Juncker is?
3: So
4: the ECB guy, ECB guy. You know what his big thing is when things get serious, you have to know how to lie. Okay. That's his famous quote. When things get serious, um, here, this? this is his famous quote, when it becomes serious, you have to lie. Okay. Why? Because central bankers know that if they panic people. Then they'll run away and then they can't, you know, impose whatever capital controls or haircut or something like that, right? So the time to, you know, get very concerned is when, you know, Sam Bankman Fried is saying, you know, FTX is safe, assets are safe, right? Okay. Like, you know, remember this? Um, What was it? Bankman Fried. How do you put it? He's like, um, Competitor is trying to go after us with false rumors. FTX is fine. Assets are fine. Remember that? Dude, strong what, what the
1: fu- Sorry, just to be blunt, what does that have to do with the situation right now? I mean, I agree with you that he was trying to meme a thing. What does that do with now?
4: Okay. What does that do? Well, have you, you haven't actually seen the Fed website today, have you? They've put out a statement saying assets are fine. The banking system is sound and secure. Statement. But, uh, the capital and liquidity positions of the U.S. banking system are strong and the financial system is resilient. I, I get it, but... Here's and and, and and coordinated central bank action to enhance the provision of U.S. dollar liquidity. The Bank Canada, Bank of England, Bank of Japan, European Central Bank, Federal Reserve coordinate to enhance provision of liquidity. This is basically emergency swap lines.
1: Yeah, you know what this is? It's everyone, everyone and their brother buying dollars, which is why the dollar hasn't tanked relative to other other currencies because no one perceived. This, this is what I think you're missing in your analysis, Bology. When there is international crisis everyone buys dollars they don't dump dollars because there's nothing else to buy <laughs> that's ah, so the now we get to
4: the, well so now we get to the key point okay now we get to the key point in 2008 the US dollar was too big to fail that is no longer the case in 2023 uh God help us if RMB is the alternative okay that's what Dalio's model predicts okay but the thing is in 2008 there wasn't an alternative and so the inflation of 2008 was exported to two different places, right? First, the inflation in 2008 was exported to the Arab Spring where the food prices, um, the Arab Spring basically here.
1: Sorry, I'm not following the argument. Why is the US dollar no longer the world's reserve currency?
4: Uh, Several reasons. So first is, well, okay, it's currently the reserve currency, but why will it maybe not be? Well, first is um, like the US, so, They have just printed so many dollars that people are now, uh, concerned with the integrity of the U S banking system itself. And, um, so, and moreover, these bank runs that are happening now of which there have been several, and there's going to be way more. That's why they've got all this cash, at the discount window. When you don't, when, when you just have 40,000 of the most. I don't know what to call it. Let's call it the early adopters, people who had trust in the U S banking system, their deposits could be gone overnight. That is a low trust system. The U S banking system is no longer a high trust system. It's something where literally all of your money, your company money can be gone overnight and they'll blame it on you, the depositor and say, it's a bailout for wanting your money back. That's like some third world country. Okay. That's Argentina. All right. That faith is now anybody who, who could get their money out is now doing that. And so what does that mean right now? It means foreign banks. Okay. Um, again, God help us if it's China, but there's several things that has happened with, with the U S over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, the first is the use of sanctions has meant that a huge non-dollar economy has grown up around the world. So dollars being used as a weapon to such an extent, they've been trying to sanction so many people that there's significant cross-border trade. Now that's non-dollar dollars only, I think 59% of cross-border at this point. Number two is within the U S. Tens of, or perhaps a hundred million people or more, no longer trust banks or media after the financial crisis in the last 15 years. Number three, we have Bitcoin, which is the hardest asset around. And unlike everything else in the economy, as Peter Thiel said, it's one honest signal, it can't be seized with the key press. That is different.
1: That's not true about Balaji. You you literally shut down the fiat rails that turned Bitcoin into dollars and it's over.
4: So this is the big race of the next 90 days. Okay, the the next 90 days are a race to figure out uh, how many people can get to Bitcoin and get to the lifeboat before they try to shut down the rails. Now, here's the thing. They're not gonna be able to shut down the rails worldwide because Saudi and UAE and these other countries won't listen to the USA anymore. Okay. So, you know, the U S only has, um, basically your, your network distance from blue America is your sort of saving grace. And there's kind of two axes, several axes in which you can move. Okay. Um, the closer you are to blue America, both physically and digitally, the more your risk, okay, digitally, because you will be a dollar holder and a dollar holder will be the bag holder. They're printing so many dollars right now that, um, you know, and again, I'll show you this visual over here. Biology.
3: But- so then the question I don't understand is why would these sovereign countries, Japan, Canada, the European union go and increase their dollar exposure, if that was They're
4: the not sovereign countries. They're occupied by the U.S. military. Japan has a huge U.S. military base there, right? Canada is totally dependent on the U.S.
3: But then then how is Saudi Arabia and UAE under that model not the same thing? They, because they live they've under got American defense contracts.
4: Racket. Yeah, not not as much anymore. After the whole MBS thing. Yeah, yeah. No, have you seen? They're, they're much less so than they used to be. They've done deals with China and whatnot. MBS has pushed back on the U.S. I don't think he even shook, uh, maybe he shake Biden's hand? I'm not even sure, but he's definitely, for example, he refused to bail out the Credit Suisse. Do you see that? The the thing that you guys aren't tracking because you're not in this part of the world, and I'd have to give like 50 references or hundred references is many people have begun, not begun. They started decoupling from the US a while ago, and that's accelerated. That has been a consistent theme. I'm not just making that up, right? That is something which has been true for a while. The US is no longer the center of the universe. For example, like, you know, that thing with the millionaire migration map, did I show you that? Like, here, um, just just one example of this, right? The smart money okay, so, in the world. So, I'll just show you so, this because- so I just wanna
3: make sure I understand your, uh, I'll look at the millionaire sure. migration map. So 50% of the global GDP, right? So it's just like US, Europe, Japan, Canada, right? So you have China, you have Russia, you have, you know, BRICS and, and you know, small countries like UAE, Singapore, Saudi Arabia. So, so you have these two camps now. And so you think that the the other countries outside the U.S. are just completely brainwashed in terms of like having to now take these these rotten U.S. dollars?
4: I think that they're not just. I mean, basically, most of the countries within the America. I mean, can you name a democracy that does not have a uh, that is not um, that was not a British colony or doesn't have a U.S. military base? Brazil. Um, is it, uh, does it not, was it not a colony? I mean, South America, like Uruguay and so on. Um, all right. Like the Uruguay was actually not a colony. Right. Um, but actually what's interesting to your point on the Brazil thing. Okay. Here, Brazil is now got Iran warships. Brazil allows Iranian warships to dock in Rio, despite, you know, the U S sender saying no. Right. Uh, there's Japan has this soldier, this U S soldier, and there's a sender who is telling him, um, gosh, was this, uh, there's this, uh, US soldier held in Japan. Ridge Alconis was was um, there is, there's ways in which the rest of the world is breaking away from the U S now. Okay. And, uh, you know, you, you don't, I think basically, by the way, this is sort of the mental block that I'll hit is that, um, without actually being outside the U S if you haven't done a lot of business outside the U S Let me show you just some numbers here. Okay. So for example, countries gaining and losing the most wealthy people, right? So this is again, free world. Anybody can move anywhere and so on and so forth. Where are they picking? They're not picking the USA anymore. They're picking Israel. They're picking UAE. They're picking Singapore. They are picking Australia and New Zealand, but they're not picking the U S right. They're not picking the UK, the mighty have fallen. This is down a huge amount in 2019. This was 10,500. Now it's down like 86%. Of course, they're not picking Russia and China and so on. They're getting up there. They're coming to these sort of small you know, crypto and, and finance and, and tech capitals. Okay. So, um, you know, I can show you like, you know, you probably seen the GDP geocenter map, right? McKinsey, like this thing, oops, GP center map, the world moving. Yeah. So have you seen this map before? No, I haven't seen it. No. So this basically shows that, um, if you just average, like you know, take the capitals of the the world and you you average, um, you know, their their GDP and show where it is, it was hovering around the Atlantic over here, and since the early 2000s, thousand, it's been rocketing back to Asia. So the center of world GDP is no longer in the West. Most of the money is actually being generated in Asia. This is not something that people get yet. They still like, the institutions are all over here, but the economy is to a disproportionate degree, mostly over here. And, um, and that hasn't, that hasn't been like rebalanced in the world yet. These institutions aren't there. And so, so essentially, I mean, fundamentally the thing is that people, the reason I think this is going to be very stark is people think that the dollar is like, you know, quote too big to fail and there are competitors for it. The renminbi and BTC, both outside and inside and they're competitors in totally different ways because renminbi has this gigantic Chinese military and so on. And Bitcoin has encryption and so on. And the fundamental, I mean, here's the really fundamental thing is basically, so first coming, coming all the way back because you, it feels like you're not convinced of one point, right? Which is you're like, look after 2008, only thing people wanted were more dollars. and every crisis, all they ever want is more dollars. You're going to go to safety and that's dollars, right? Is that, is that your fundamental argument? Your counter argument, Antonio?
3: I I think, I think that's where I disagree with you as well. I think basically people, the flight to quality will be into us dollars and us treasuries. Okay. But here's the
4: thing. What did they get wrecked on in 2021? What is the asset they bought in 2021 that they got wrecked on? They bought treasuries. The entire thing that the reason that all these guys' portfolios are getting destroyed, the reason all these banks are going under is that they made a bet on the long-term health of the us government by buying. 10 year treasuries in 2021. That was, that was the toxic waste. But, but, but sorry, but that's just tech, duration my tech risk. My stocks
3: and my crypto went down 80 to 90%. And, and you're talking treasuries are down 15 to 20% on par value.
4: No, but the thing is, yeah, they're down only 15, to, but it's on a gigantic amount of money. They like, that's the thing is see that's okay. So uh, this is, this is where there's a few mental blocks and optical illusions. Let's talk about this. Cause this is actually something I had to get into the reactor core a bit and figure out what the heck was going on. The first thing is, um, what I learned in some of the tweeting is that people in the financial system, they both think of the fed as being all important. And Jerome Powell is like more powerful than the president. And, uh, we, we we hang on every word and our algorithms trigger on everything the fed does and so on and so forth. They're so, 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 so important and powerful. Don't fight the fed. Right. And then at the same time, if you ever try to blame the fed quote, quote, hold the fed accountable or something, they'll be like. Ah, you're a loser, you know, go and you know, that, that's a, that's a cop out. You need to just make your own portfolio work. You can't blame the fed. Um, you, you, you know, and plus I don't even listen to what they're saying. I, I just, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. I make my own portfolio. You know, I've got my own secret sauce, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So they simultaneously have a mental model where the fed is both all powerful and not responsible for anything. Okay. And this optical, cause they think of the fed as like the referee. Okay. So like, you know, for example, the three point line is set at a certain spot in the basketball game, and then you play there and you can't like get, you know, maybe you might yell at the ref once or twice, but if you're constantly yelling at the ref and you're, you're, you're directing your criticism at the ref, you don't know how to play the game, shut up. You're a loser, get off the field. Right. That is kind of their model because the fed is the sun around which the entire system operates. Okay. And, um, that's not our world. That's not the world of Bitcoin, right? That's a different world. And I know what a Fedless world looks like. And so, because of that, I was like, oh, okay. So, that is how they've managed to get themselves to a state, a mental state, where some random immigrant engineer in Sunnyvale is supposed to be responsible for finding a hidden footnote in a bank statement that says that their American bank is insolvent. But Jerome Powell is responsible for nothing. Okay. That is the mental model of these crazy people that the devastation that is wreaked, you are responsible, all your companies, everything is destroyed by the fed going up and down with these interest rates like that, where basically it goes from, and by the way, just to give you a sense of what we're talking about here, the scale of what happened. And I, you know, I should, in a sense, you know, a week or two ago, I was, had to argue that the fed was doing it, but now they're actually all admitting it. Right. Everybody's admitting that it's the interest rate hikes that destroyed everything. And I'm not saying, by the way, that, oh, you never hike interest rates or what have you. I'm saying that Bitcoin's monetary policy of actually just being a constant function that's predictable and not interfered with by humans, I appreciate it more and more every day. But here, take a look at this, um, the dot plots, okay? Just to give you a sense of how the Fed just totally faked everybody out. First, here's like the projections in, you know, December, 2020. Can you guys see the screen? Yep. yep. They're projecting in December, 2020, that the fed funds rate is going to be 0.1 forever, and then only in the long run, it'll get to 2.5 or, but they're basically projecting QE to infinity, December, 2020. Okay. And, um, they're telling everybody inflation's a paranoid conspiracy theory. You're such a dumb wing nut, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And you can see that because they're so conformist, right? You can see that in their projections and just to understand what you're seeing here, this X axis is time. Y axis is, uh, the, their, their projected interest rate and there's, this is nine quarters. Okay. And so, um, first everybody's projecting low interest rates for a while. Then it's very slightly. Okay. And then wham. Okay. That's now 2022. Okay. So they faked out the whole market. When you actually look at the axes here, I'll try and make the graph even better. Okay. The axes also change because this is like, you know, oh, 4% would be super high, You know, we're not gonna get there. And then fucking wham, right? And so what happened was all of these people invested on bad guidance and got destroyed, totally, 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 totally destroyed um, because they were all thinking that it was gonna be like this forever and then surprise, kabam, right? And raising it from you know the last 10 years or whatever of low interest rates, Nobody was allocated right. And remember, you know, these guys were saying highly unlikely they'll raise rates, you know, will not raise rates, uh, rates near zero, um, not to raise rates, right? This is October 23rd, by the way, 2021. Okay. Now, why is Powell saying all this stuff? Why, is, why are they saying inflation is a conspiracy theory, right?
3: But, apology, let's say we agree with you that actually the Fed's guidance and the way they set it up at post-global financial crisis where these banks they, they, they have all these restrictions. So they ended up doing this kind of like long duration treasury mismatch, Yeah. Right? So what happened was poor, all poor the risk money... management by SVB. So, so we're No, here, no, 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 like no. It's ha- not
4: poor risk management by SVB. Look, I mean, it is that I'll get to that, but it is, when it's one bank that fails, it's a bank problem. When it's all the banks that fail, it's a central bank problem. Dude, but hold on, but look at this plot. Commercial loans are going down, right? Yes, you the know why? Is it, it, that was, well, that was then, was then. August, 2021. This is August, 2021, uh, not now, okay? Okay, so, dude, I'll, but if, if
1: if credit gets crushed and the banks fail, demand goes down. It's deflationary, not inflationary.
4: We, what you're talking about is, oh, if the wings go up and the plane does this and that. No, we're talking about plane crash. <laughs> so all of your all of your kind of cause and effect things are not going to be operative in what is about to follow. Okay. But, so, but but let me let me go back to this. Let me go back to this. Banks are binging on bonds, but not because they want to. See, you see how this guy was like, nobody made them buy a liquid long-term bonds. Actually, they did. Because the Fed printed so much money that their normal source of commercial loans went away and the Fed told them that interest rates would remain low forever. So here's what they said. So basically um, customer deposits are all time highs. And so the banks have turned to government bonds. When the yield briefly rose, the banks hungry for higher returns rushed to buy them a scramble by the spike in interest rates didn't last. So 1.75 was considered like high in August 25th, 2021. And so that could help keep a lid on rates for some time. It is one of the things keeping rates lower. The dynamic is unlikely to change. So all of this stupid Pravda type guidance, um, it's the same thing that's happened with so much else in society where masks don't work before they do. The science says this and the science says that. These insane political flip-flops that happen back and forth now will totally destroy you if you wrote a contract based on those flip-flops for hundreds of billions of dollars. And that is exactly what happened. The Fed will never hike interest rates. Inflation is not a problem. The Fed has always signaled that it's going to hike in, in interest rates because inflation is a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? That Eurasia is at war with East Asia destroyed the American and the global, the Western financial system. Do you understand what happened? I mean, this is the proximal cause, right? Everybody bought the same asset at the same time from the same vendor, namely the Fed, who destroyed it in the same way, unpredictably, basically it led all these lemmings off a cliff at 0.1%. They all bought these bonds because every avenue was closed. Banks, binging on bonds, not because by the way, you know, you have to stick party line until the guy changes. Okay. Everybody had to maintain that inflation was going to be low. Our great fed, because they've got all these fed licenses. They, every hint of contrarianism had been leached out of the system. You know, they, they actually mentioned this, that like the, uh, FOMC doesn't want any disagreements, it's like a board vote, you know, where all the board members are supposed to vote the same way at the same time. Um, like here, let me see, um, this Politico I,
3: I guess what I'm saying biology is I agree with you that the fed p- incredibly mismanaged the, the whole inflation rate hiking cycle.
4: Yeah. Here we go. Hold on Wait. Look at this hone existence, striking the feds top policy committee doesn't just prize consensus. It nearly demands it. Okay. So what happened, and this is also true in the banking system. Don't fight the fed. Oh, I'm not going to ever say Powell's wrong about something, right? So this cult of personality or whatever you want to call it, cult of bureaucracy. That's kind of what it is, right? Took all the banks with all your money and bet it on the safest asset in the world, right? The, uh, you know, the treasury bond, right? The 10 year treasury note, they bet on the long-term financial health of the United States of America, and they got absolutely ruined, destroyed to the level that a 40 year institution SVB. Here's what they started to do. Okay. They actually use these accounting tricks. Okay. Cause they knew once the fed fucked them, right. Once the fed like had rates rise to the moon after selling them bonds at low rates, all of these see look anxious bankers wondering what they should do in reaction to the large losses. Okay. This is the, you know, this is actually April, 20, 2022, just a you know month or so after. What should the banks do in reaction to large losses? Um, they're going to transfer securities to HTM, meaning, uh, they do an accounting trick, hold to maturity, I call it hide to maturity where they pretend that the losses weren't incurred. And even this accountant actually says, um, the transfer to HTM does not eliminate the unrealized loss. Okay. Are you seeing that this is uncle Sam Bankman freed, right? Where the guy bought an asset for X. It got reduced to Y and was pretending that X minus Y hadn't happened and he still had the money on hand. Okay. And this happened across the entire thing, the entire banking system. And here, for example, is how SVB dealt with it. You could probably go back and look evidence of deception by SVB management. Now I I shouldn't say I don't blame them, but they are basically set up as a fall guy because the fed surprised the banks, So the banks decided to surprise the depositors evidence of deception. As we mentioned, they used to just give their high, to, you know, hold to maturity securities over here. New destination reserved, right? Reserve, reserved. Oh, ta-da! Look at that. In a footnote, you find out the freaking bank is actually insolvent, eighty-one point six billion dollars up. So you have to find this footnote. This is basically, by the way, this is actually like San Francisco in a particular sense. You know why? San Francisco is a narco tyranny. You pay for all the police protection, and you all get pay for all the police and get none of the protection, right? You're a cab driver there. You're on the streets of San Francisco, you get a $500 parking ticket, right? But the crazy guy who smashes your window, nothing happens to them, right? It's the tyranny and it's the anarchy. And now we have an arc of tyranny, but for banking. Okay. You have the tyranny of a million insane compliance regulations, but the anarchy of literally not notifying depositors, literally not notifying depositors when they know that the money is gone. Okay. It's a completely like the level of corruption made me almost want to throw up right that the us banking system, the federal reserve made all the banks that trusted the federal reserve insolvent, the bank regulators and the banks hid this from depositors and allowed you to find out with a giant bank run that was then blamed on depositors. That's literally what's happened. So first let me pause there because that itself is bananas. It's like, it is like South America type stuff. And, and I know I, you don't I believe don't, it, but go go
1: find out. No, no, that, you- that's, hold on, that's not yeah. true. I'm not disagreeing. I, I agree with you in the context of SVB. SVB was a unique bank that I think a lot of people don't understand exactly what it did. Part of SVB's, SVB's problem, in addition to all the depositors being way too online, is that you know the, the, the traditional bank takes in deposits from the everyman and then loans it into the community. Unfortunately, there isn't a lot of venture debt in Silicon Valley. And so SVB couldn't actually loan back to its natural client base. And so typically it had to go long rates by having long duration bonds. And that's why it got fucked is there financial malfeasance? I don't know. But my, my Uber point here is that SVB is not emblematic of the macro picture. Most banks are not okay. going like SVB for a bunch well, of gee,
3: reasons. I also so. want to, I want to acknowledge that. I agree with you that the HTM designation stuff is absolutely crazy. It's just like, let's sweep this under the rug and hope 10 years later, we, we don't have to deal with it. But the important thing about HTM is those bonds pay back par at the end of the duration.
4: Psh, there's not going to be, okay. These are 10 year bonds. All right. You know, the worst bet in the world in 2021 was betting on the long-term financial health, of the United States of America. And the worst bet in the world in 2023 is going to be betting on the short-term health of the United States of America. Like you you're just not, I, I feel like you have to kind of go and poke into this a little bit more. All right. The degree of like insolvency in the system, all of the debts from all the wars and all the printing, we all knew it would eventually come due. And now what they basically found is because those bank runs happen, right. We've now moved into phase three. Okay. And phase three is okay. Yes. Uh, they're discovering that the banks don't have enough dollars, you know, or let's say liquidity, more generally, they don't have enough liquid assets to pay for withdrawals of people came and took their money out of the bank. Right. The unrealized losses are too great. So what's the fed doing now? It's got this bank term program, right? Um, oops, here we go. The bank term program, the BTFP, okay? And um, so first of all, by the way, Antonio, you're wrong. SVB is not unique. Dozens of banks may have risk similar. I could have told you this. This That's what I was saying a while ago, 333 banks. You know, the Fed itself knew that the bank's were bust. right? The Fed itself is literally publishing things saying, you know what, there's 333 community banks alone that are insolvent in their own, you know, obfuscated language, okay? And um, this new BTFP program, by the way, is bananas because uh, you know as soon as it came out, this came out right alongside when they said they were you know um, backing up depositors at uh, at SVB, and it said, oh, at first it's um, here. Take a look. The first version was March twelfth. It was twenty five billion, right? Okay, and they're not going to need it. Two days later, it becomes two trillion, right? I don't know. Four days later, sorry. Okay, so here we go. This backstop, right? You know, we are creating a new thing uh, available up to 25 billion of backstop. And basically what it says is the new program and what it does is this is the key thing. These assets will be valued at par, meaning that hold to maturity classification, which was hiding those losses. They're like, you know what? We'll make it actually, we'll lend to you as if it was worth hundred cents on the dollar. There you go. An additional source of liquidity against high quality. So now you've got the cash on hand for all these bank runs that are going to happen. Okay. And... So that means is this twenty five billion? Okay, they said we don't need to draw on these backstop funds that we will loan out to people. Um, just if, of course they lie because as John claude Dunker said, when it gets really serious, you have to lie. A few days later, two trillion. How about that? That's a hundred x in four days. Isn't that amazing? A hundred x increase. The thing that they said they didn't need, and they fooled you for fool the you know the the ones who want to think you know there's you know this is fine. It's a hundred X. How about that? And moreover, the uh, you know, here's the this is not like theoretical money anymore. Okay. Um, you know, even Q Z uh is admitting Fed's discount window is lending to banks at two thousand eight levels, okay? 152 billion. And you saw the you saw the graph I showed, right? Like the um the ones that looks like Independence Day. Here, look. So basically all, all these the, guys just don't get it. They just don't get it because they're still within the, there's relatively few people who have dug enough into this to ask questions from like outside the system here. Does that look like I, a normal graph? That money is rushing the to the banks for the bank. How
3: does How is
4: it? actually borrowing?
3: get into the economy to cause because, hyperinflation?
4: Because it is all of these people who are now concerned about the solvency of their um, of their ba- like whether like they're going to have an SUV situation are going there and wiring money. That is what is. Where at. are they
3: wiring the money now?
4: Exactly, and this is the fundamental question, because there's a branch in the road. The bad branch is to wire to a big bank. You wire to a big bank, and they'll happily take your deposits, and that's a Venus flytrap. The correct approach is to put as much as you can into Bitcoin, because that is the asset that can't be seized, and What's going to happen, whether it's, um, whether, you know, this, the amount of money that has now just been generated, okay. With, with what this easing is, I don't know how long it takes for that inflationary pressure to hit the economy, but it'll be probably pretty fast because you're talking about hitting, you know, it's now user tangible, you know, the big difference in all the previous bailouts, okay. You know, enterprise versus consumer 2008 was an enterprise situation where it's just banks exchanging paper with each other. This is a consumer situation where people are seeing that the money was gone at their friend's bank, at their employer's bank, right? The money was gone in the U S banking system and the depositors were blamed. And they said, you didn't do your diligence, right? So everybody is basically moving their money to either the big bank or outside the country or into Bitcoin. And so that is why this is no longer a theoretical number. It is a realized number. Does that make sense?
3: But, but to your point. And, and so just from an anecdotal standpoint, everyone I know who's moved money from SVB at first Republic, they've moved it to a big bank. They have yes. not gone all in on Bitcoin. I know because they have to, they have to pay taxes. They have to yes. pay their rent. They have to pay all this stuff. They can't go and, all, and all Bitcoin, in on Bitcoin. They can't right, go all so in on Bitcoin, so but
4: basically but here's the thing. What's going to happen is this. Everybody is going to pay for their sins in the following way. Okay. In, in the sense that, um, by ringing the fire alarm, there's basically, you know, several tribes in the world, right? There's blue tribe. Great tribe, red tribe, you know, foreign tribes. Okay. Before ring the fire alarm, everyone's like, oh yeah, we got to get to the big banks. The g that was a fake out, just, you know, wrap them all up. Fed now CBDC 4th of July becomes dependence day. Right. And when I, by the way, when I talk about that, when I say the, the fed now CBDC, like they, you know, normally in a crisis, you don't like announce random things. Okay. But they clearly, you know, July launched the fed now service, right. Um, you know, conduct production for the July launch, more excited from the fed now launch. Um, and so the thing about this is, uh, that is, that is something which they decided to put out there alongside other kinds of things about, you know, Hey, we're doing massive bailouts. Hey, you know, we've got a joint statement by treasury and FDIC. Hey, you know, like th- they're doing it amidst, um, you know, some fairly, fairly senior, you know, high priority announcements. They have clearly have found the time to do that. Okay. And so the false road. So basically I'd say one, two, three, four worst, bad, worst, also worst. Good best worst is do nothing bad. Basically just about as bad as number one is move your funds to a big bank, all your funds, or lock it up in like, you know, short-term treasuries. Good is hedge as much as you possibly can into Bitcoin. And I'll come by why Bitcoin specifically. Um, so one, do nothing. Two, big banks. Three, hedge as much as you can to Bitcoin. Fourth, hedge into Bitcoin and get to a crypto-friendly jurisdiction. Within the US, that's places like Texas and Florida, Wyoming and uh, Mississippi, Montana, Tennessee. These are places that have passed Bills to protect crypto miners, bills that say in Texas, for example, that digital currency, you shall not be infringed. You can't take it away, right? Or outside the US in places like UAE or Singapore or, uh, you know, actually, I wouldn't do Switzerland anymore. Um, even Palau, like these small states, or interestingly, El Salvador, right? Places like that, right? Places that respect crypto property rights. Um, and if you do, the, I think you're going to be better off for what comes the closer you are to number four. The worst is do nothing about as bad as big bank, only good is hedge into Bitcoin and hold, and then hedge into Bitcoin and get to a crypto friendly jurisdiction. Now should I explain why I think that, why that one, two, three, four, basically everyone's going to pay for their sins because the more you back the dollar and the more you trust the dollar, the more the weight of the dollar devaluation will hit you because you've been lured into this Venus flytrap and you've been lured into thinking that the U S is invincible and that the devaluation will never occur. And of course they would tell you, and you know, like it cannot be defeated, um, blah, blah, blah. Go ahead. On, on
2: this note biology, can can you describe the Dalio argument really quickly, Sure. I, I think people don't appreciate the tough situation. the, do, the dollar's that, Yeah. 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 So, so,
4: so essentially, um, you know, Dalio to this really, really good. I encourage everybody to watch this video again with this new lens. I mean, insofar as I'm making a contribution, by the way, the big thing that I'm doing is I'm giving a completely different narrative for the events that we are all witnessing. Okay. The narrative that you have heard is, Oh, this was something which was like some, uh, SVB specific thing and these tech guys or whatever. Right. That's what you heard. Okay. Similarly to, um, you know, at the beginning of Corona, Oh, it's just some stupid Chinese thing. You don't have to worry about it. It's racist. If you worry about it, blah, blah, blah. Or it's a paranoid conspiracy theory to say that it was a lab leak. Right. Remember that? paranoid conspiracy theory. Okay. Yep. And that paranoid conspiracy theory, which I tweeted about in as diplomatic a fashion as I could at the time turned out to then become the conventional wisdom two years later. Okay. Similarly with inflation itself in 2021, remember when that was a conspiracy theory actually here, let me show Mm -hmm. you that right. Um, inflation was also a conspiracy theory when, um, all the great and the good, stop worrying about inflation, inflation fear lurks, even as officials say not to worry. Powell downplays inflation, risks and foreshadows future spending. And then kaboom, look at this, foo, right? So like, you know, or, or if you take a look at, you know, even Axios admits this, um, trust in media, all time low, right?
3: Biology, you're talking to a podcast of kind of anti-institutionalists to begin yeah, with. Yeah, but so you're not year yet
4: year. all the way there. It took you 10 years to, to get your test, your trust in newspapers down to this level. You're going to need to get your trust in banks down to that level in like 10 days or less.
3: But but here, here's the thing where I disagree. So I agree with you on uh, Fed mismanagement of the entire rate hike inflation cycle, all the transitory that was probably political. I agree with you on this HTM stuff. I agree with you it wasn't just an SVB thing. The thing that I disagree with you on is the average person in America is not going to move their money into Bitcoin or out of the country. There are going to be some people who do it on the fringe, for sure, right? I I spent 10 years working in crypto and and at Coinbase, But, but the average person is going to be happy with whatever comes down from the Fed's backstop and the, you know, we're gonna value these treasuries at par and and we're just gonna wait out the duration risk, just like they did in the global financial crisis. And so that that's where my point of view is. And so I have not been convinced that this time it's different.
4: Okay, so, well, first of all, on the phrase, this time it's different, finance people, not not you, but finance people will often whip that out to say, ha 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 ha, you're yeah, so naive. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not this throwing at you, I'm yeah. using it as the, the yeah, place. Yeah, but if you think about it, the opposite, what this time is different, said sarcastically, not saying that you're doing that. It, when people say that sarcastically, what they mean is, things will never change. Oh yeah. This time is different lol. because things are always the same in their world. Right. And it's not the same in our world. Sometimes things are different. AI is different. Things are very different, right? So our world is about things being different and how the future is not the same as the past and can be very different. Okay. And, uh, you know, my model is this is, if you watch Dalio's the short version is my model is if you watch Dalio's video, this is the big debt crisis. This is the messy inflationary deleveraging. The fed did not, have strategic advantage, but it's had tactical advantage. That is to say it's confused people about what is actually happening. It's just a series of bank runs, which uh, are caused by the banks actually asking the fed to please print me money to dilute my bonds. And now I can, you know, uh, I, I can, I can pay for them, but all the banks are now understanding that the fed has now, um, it's sort of like the banks have agreed to allow the fed to monetize the debt. That's basically what's happened all the bondholders and all their underwater bonds have probably signed something for this BTFP program saying, see, we want you to print the money to give us the money, but because they all did it at the same time, now they monetize the debt. And the fundamental question is if that's just some gigantic pool of money sloshing around their system, it doesn't matter. But if enough of that gets withdrawn to BTC because it's a one number, they don't control. You have the infinity over 21 million dynamics start to happen. Okay. They cannot control the number of Bitcoin. They have massively increased the number of dollars. And as people start having even some of it hedged into Bitcoin, a feedback effect occurs and the bit signal goes up and it indicates to the world that something is wrong and that the money was gone. And that this gigantic printing Lake that's happened over here, where everything is so confusing that people are exiting to Bitcoin. It's Silicon Valley's ultimate exit. It's kind of exact. And the paper belt may try to stop us from leaving. Okay where they're trying to block the exits they're trying to kill Sil- Silvergate, kill Signature, try to kill the crypto banks. You don't have a lot of time to get to that exit. Now to your point, Dan, unfortunately Unfortunately, I agree that most average Americans will not get to the exit in time. Unfortunately, I agree. But I do think that on the spectrum because they are like the um Russians in the Soviet Union because history is running in reverse. Right? And the 20th century was a terrible century for Russians and for Chinese people and for Vietnamese people. And much of the people in the East, it was a terrible century. They were under communism. They were under socialism. And when communism came, it came very fast. When it came very fast, stock markets were shut down. Property was seized. Landlords were killed. Kulaks were hanged. People with glasses were shot. All kinds of very bad things happened very, 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 very quickly, but we think in the West that that just happens to other people that happens on a television screen, that that could never happen here. But BLM should show you that actually maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe you do get crazy civil unrest and riots and things burning in flames and people being completely irrational, um, with the flip-flops back and forth on masks and so on with that kind of stuff is very Soviet, right? It's not like you don't have warning. You do have warning, um, with the deplatforming with the, you know, the unbanking, with just the years of just absolute lies from the press, right, on everything from the Covington kids to, you know, mostly peaceful protests. There is warning about what's happening. And even Anderson has said, you know, I think that the Volkism is going to become something even nastier than that, right? You have a thread with 5,000 likes on Twitter saying euthanize VCs, okay? And you have, you know, the thing about that, by the way, is... You know what that reminded me of? You know what that thread reminded me of? Here's what it reminded me of. What? It reminded me of, um, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Okay. So um, this, uh, th- what was interesting about it was um, it wasn't just euthanized VCs. It was also something where there was like a clever verbal dodge to pretend that that was not um, what, you uh, here we go. He said
2: it was like a, a Keynes quote or something, Keynes.
4: Yeah, exactly. Here we are. Yeah. So euthanizing them is imperative. So 2 million views, right? Okay. Euthanize question mark. I see, you know, the advocate and the euthanasia, the wrench the functions of venture, right? So he does this so that this way he can deny that he's actually calling for, um, you know, something violent or crazy. Right. Um, and so it's clever. Okay, but you know it's clever? It's clever in a similar way to something that's, you know.
3: Um, oh, can't have a biology podcast without Durante.
4: Yeah. Well, I was about to say,
3: oh, man, here we go.
4: Yeah, so here we go. Disco- <laughs> describing the communist plan to liquidate the 5 million kulaks, who are basically the entrepreneurs <laughs> of the Soviet Union, Durante wrote, must all of them and their families be physically abolished? Of course not. They must be liquidated some freaking, you know, metaphorical interpretation and right. Taking Soviet propaganda at face value this way was completely misleading, you know, um, and collectivization may cause the famine. Okay. So the thing is that, um, you know, the, the, the communist revolution was a catastrophe that happened to people who just did not understand what the hell was happening and how their previously stable world just totally, totally, totally broke down very fast. Um, and you know, the SAR and all of that just went away very quickly. Um, and you know, Weimar, you know, these things like if you read when money dies, right, all of these things have happened to non-Western people. Right. I mean, that's why, yep. why you know, Antonio's Cuban. I mean, that was a disaster under Batista. It was a totally, right. I, was I wrong? Did they, did they fall apart very quickly? Just on that I, I question. I was gonna I was gonna agree with you,
1: Balaji, that and I think one thing I've disagreed with this group before is that like you know nations do implode and 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 orders of you know systems of of order and, and a status quo do disappear. The world never quite ends. There's never a Mad Max apocalypse. Just there's a very different state of affairs. And locally, in fact, you can have sort of maximal damage. So I, I do agree with you that that I think Americans have never seen this happen to them, right? Yes. But you know, there's a number of differences between us and Weimar, right? And so. And the and the other, the, I mean, and, and I can enumerate them, but like, what's the point even of debating whether we're, we're, we're binary or not? I, I think it's more the fact that like, part of the reason why people aren't fleeing the USD system, Bology is because there is no plan B. There, there's nowhere else to go. And, I, and to be clear, like, one of the debates that we've had is like, if the, the world explodes, is there anywhere to hide? I think there is, right? Like, I would just go to so, my little so family's you- village in Spain and whatever, but like, there is no plan B. There's no other system. No, no, so no one's actually going to use renminbi as a unit of account because it's controlled by the Chinese communist party that, which nobody trusts. Right. Yeah. So, well, euro I,
4: I disagree with you. And the reason I disagree with you is, uh, again, this is something where history might have to happen in fast forward, right? Something I thought would happen potentially by 2040 is if last century was, um, you know, the USA versus the USSR, right? I think this century I was thinking was going to be like by 2040, the, Chinese state versus the Indian network, um, you know, centralized Chinese state for Indian network. And, uh, and I kind of think that's going to happen much faster than we think. Um, and the reason is, by the way, take a look at, here's one more link. Um, people should know, uh, the economic history of Argentina. Okay. Because that is something that, that might be even more than Weimar, maybe the most relevant thing, right? Unprecedented. Right,
1: but, but the, 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 the problem yeah. is, Balaji, that all the examples you're citing, the currency was not the global reserve currency at
4: the time. I know. That's right. Do- so
1: neither the Deutsche Mark nor the Peso was. That's the difference.
4: That's right. So this is a combination of, in a sense, because what's happened is we have had this rerun society. It's Marvel movie reruns. It's you know boomers, like 1940 or even silent generation people running the country. It is doing things from the 80s, like Volcker hiking rates. It is a system that has stubbornly hung on and not modernized and indeed fought technology and fought the future because they look at them as tech disruptors as a, and you know, they're the heirs. And, uh, and so because of that, they're just running these old playbooks and, and so on. They're stuck in the past. They've not embraced the future like in Estonia or Singapore. Um, and, uh, so I think it, it there's a possibility that this is the combination of, Weimar, Argentina, the fall of the Soviet Union, and um, you know, like maybe something like 1861, okay. And, and but there's another you,
1: example. In the case of the Soviet Union, there was another world order that they could revert to. Again, there there is no plan yeah. B here. That's the problem. Well, right? so
4: that's so now now we're getting to the point, right? The issue is basically I, and I actually do believe this, uh, dollar devaluation is here. The Fed now CBDC is coming. You have about 90 days to get to the exits, which is Bitcoin. And if you don't, that devaluation will mean that you can't get your money out and the reserve currency becomes RMB. And then China is the alternative because the level of instability that is gonna come to the US after that devaluation is booked, right? Whether it's that they allow dollars to go to, you know, $500 a loaf of bread or whether they just impose price controls so that there is no bread, but you know, it's priced at five bucks, right? So just shortages, right? One of those two possibilities is there. I don't know. Okay. But what I do know is that the West is actually much, 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 much poorer than it thinks because it doesn't make stuff and China does. And if we don't get enough people in the free world out to Bitcoin in time, we won't even have a chance at freedom after this, because I think the Chinese are going to be very powerful. But now let me talk about the Argentina thing. So here we go. So Argentina, um, see, until the middle of the 20th century, such a scenario was simply unimaginable. Life was splendid. Argentina's economy was growing It's a country that crashed in an unprecedented fall. Argentina, went ranking among the world's top economies toward the very bottom of the list. And you know what happened? It was considered one of the most stable countries in the world. The wealthiest and most influential country and an into the boom was nowhere in sight. Everything was great, except this guy Juan Perón. And you know what he did? Guiding principle is proficacy, nothing else worked to go into debt, print money and let inflation gallop. Does that sound familiar? Right. And tariff barriers, Argent, Argentina first, tariff barriers were put in place. And also how about this, the purchase of Great Brazilian railway system, hundreds of billions of dollars on but, like railway that doesn't but, but, work. But, right? Let me jump in really quick,
2: yeah. uh, Dan and Antonio, uh, what would need to be true for you guys to believe that um, the U S loses its reserve currency status? what needs to happen and does there have to be an alternative have we always had an alternative even the i believe that the the dollar as a percentage of economic uh like activity has decreased significantly in the past couple couple decades like is it possible that it just decentralizes does there have to be this like great have we always had a global reserve currency i, I don't think so um so
3: the dollar yeah. would have to massively trade down against another sovereign's currency And that country, by the way, would also probably have to have some version of an immigrant immigration policy, right? No, one's moving to China who's not Chinese. So So, so that's the other issue.
4: So here's the thing. So wait, wait, so you're right about what you said, but the only thing is you've got the, it's not a country, it's a network. Okay. That is,
3: this is where I will now say you have a, a coherent ideology. That's an alternative. It hasn't happened yet, but at least you've actually put a lot of thinking into this.
4: Right. So, so basically what is a nation? A nation is a group of people in a physical location. What is a network? It's a group of people in a digital location. The Bitcoin network is, and has been building for 10 years, 13 years to be the new reserve currency of the world, right? Like that's literally the purpose. And all of these maximalists who see the thing is the Bitcoin maximalists. What's, what's interesting about this, by the way, as you know, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, but we are all Bitcoin maximalists now, like you know in indian mythology like the third eye kind of opens right so like the third yep. laser eye is open right i'm bitcoin only for the duration <laughs> okay and you you guys don't fully know what i mean yet but basically like the bitcoin maximalist philosophy they're the they're the ones who are the closest to understanding this and it's going to be really fast even for them right what is that philosophy F the banks, F the fiat system, Bitcoin only extremely simple economy, um, you know, steak, assault rifle, um, you know, red States, uh, total, you know, rejection of the federal government, like essentially just absolute, um, rejection of debt, rejection of this simple living lift weights, you know, just like an ultra, you know, like, like ultra libertarian kind of ideology, right. And, um. The Bitcoin maximalist is going to be a huge part of, I think what comes after the dollar collapse. You know, I said years ago, like that Bitcoin maximalism was the most important ideology in the world that no one had heard of, right? Remember I said that? Cause I could tell yep. a little of zeal, right? It takes certain, just like wokeism takes certain concepts, you know, that, that were existing in America and it takes them and absolutely maxes them out to infinity. Maximalism does too. And uh, maximalists have zeal and zeal really matters. And so, um, so the thing is that basically, uh, when, when you, you know, what, what I actually think happens is, um, those red States are all going to be passing anti-seizure bills. Okay. The right to buy, sell, send and receive Bitcoin shall not be infringed. And conversely, I think after the dollar devaluation, many blue States will do something like you cannot hold Bitcoin in private hands. And that will be a spark for conflict. So how do you,
3: how do you, how do you square the circle with the fact that the federal reserve fed now, ACH, all of the financial plumbing is federally regulated. And if I'm Utah or Florida, and I say, you can't stop us from buying Bitcoin. And some federal regulator just pushes their. Well, if you know, the dollar elbow is being, on all the U S major exchanges, now there's no, there's no plumbing into crypto. Right?
4: So, so, so there's a few different things here. One is, um, the sanction power has been used so hard over the last, you know, a few years that people have started to build immunities to it and workarounds for it and so on. And I don't know exactly how things play out, but I do know, for example, you can issue, uh, if the dollar does get devalued. Okay and there's different definitions of devalue there's devalue to like the level of you know it's worth 0 there's a devalue of 50% there's a devalue whatever okay it also is less value if it's locked in an account in a cbdc if the dollar does get devalued then um you know utah and florida can just send money over the internet with like a usdc like thing that is but they'd call it you know btc usd they'd have gold backed digital gold backed Um, currency, right? You just issue a new currency and back it with the Bitcoin that you've got. And that's what I think is going to happen. I mean, uh, you know, in the sense that states used to, there used to be the private banking era, if you remember that in the 1800s, right? They used to issue their own currencies. And what we've just seen this entire crisis, when all is said and done, it's going to come back and people are going to realize it's a fiat crisis, the centralization crisis, because all the banks in all the world bought the same asset from the same vendor at the same time. That was devalued in the same way. And they couldn't say anything because they were under centralized control. They couldn't think any different because they had all been selected for Groupthink. all the people who thought different were in tech or they were in crypto. Um, and they certainly weren't in the administration and they certainly weren't able to make like non-consensus bets against the fed. People are like, oh yeah, they should have hedged risk or whatever as if hedging is magic, right? Like you have to have some vision of what your future curve is going to be to hedge around it. You cannot. Like you might think the curve is this and you have like an envelope around and you're hedging. You simply cannot hedge this, okay? If you're hedging for this, you know, or like a gradual and you get this, you're just toast. There's nothing you can do. Hedging is not magic. People don't realize that you just, it's not possible to make money no matter what happens, right? There's always scenarios that you lose money. So all of that magical thinking will just be hit by like hard reality. And uh, on the other side of it, the people who are best positioned right now, unfortunately, um, maximalists actually get this best, right? So so I say, unfortunately, I mean, maximalists are the best position to understand what's happening. That it's just going to happen much faster than even they thought. Do you think
2: that there's, what do you think the possibility is that you are directionally right or or, uh, right on what's going to happen, but, uh, wrong on the timing, I lose the bet, but that over the next few years, that there's something like this might happen. How,
4: how, I hope I about. lose a bet. Right? Wait, wait, it's been happening. happening. I, I lost the thread. Yeah, yeah. Is, did someone yeah, take no, the have, we've got, we've got a, Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm working with the guy in, in DM. Yeah, we're going to post it and so on and so forth. So that's all. We're just, it's like it's like large enough sum of money that there's contracts and escrow and so on and so forth. So doing all of that. Um, But I will post that I hope I lose a bet. But get to Bitcoin.
3: But okay. Biology, actually, one thing, just as a side point, because I feel like this is a characterization I've seen on Twitter is, oh, Bali, you're just doing this to pump Bitcoin and you have a bunch of Bitcoin. So therefore you're going to make money one way or another. How, how do you respond to that? So I have, I
4: actually posted a response, uh, on this, um, because the the problem is people like project their own worldview and, um, and and that's like the fiat, (laughs) fiat kind of worldview in some ways. Okay. Um. I did this for the same reason. I put up the Corona alarm because I do have a sense of the public good. And most people cannot even see the failure of the USD as like a possibility. Right. But here's my response to Jason. I was like, if I was mostly in Fiat, you'd say, I don't have skin in the game, first of all. Okay. So if I was mostly in Bitcoin, you'd say I have a conflict of interest. And you know, the thing is, I'm not sure how to prove motivation other than a commitment, not to sell BTC for USD. It's like this meme, but real. Okay. You know, can I trade my bill, going for a million some day. I'm trying to tell you when you're ready, you won't have to. Meaning like you're not selling BTC for USD any more than you're selling BTC for Zimbabwe dollars. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. Like the, the, that, that's what I'm talking about. So the hyper Bitcoinization is so wrenching because it is like Weimar and the fall of the Soviet union and Argentina at the same time. And, you know, 1861 potentially. Okay. Because the fall of the Soviet Union, by the way, happened way faster. Everybody, you know, there's a Soviet thing like, um, you know, uh, Soviet union, everything was forever till it was no more. Right. Um, everything was forever until it was no more. The paradoxes of the last Soviet generation, the Soviet union, didn't give you a heads up that it was going to die. Nobody thought that in like 87, there was like rumblings around it. They didn't think it was like so weak that it was going to just collapse. Right. Um, yep. So, um, so the thing is that hyper-Bitcoinization, so the answer to your question is hyper-Bitcoinization is simultaneously, it's not just Bitcoin, it's Bitcoin becoming the reserve currency, not just against the dollar, but all the fiat currencies of the world. And then it's going to be some, something crazy where like Bitcoin holders will get to the Bitcoin states. Okay. And the fiat states will not want the Bitcoin holders to be, you know, they're not going to be super nice to them. Right. And fundamentally what this is again, um, you know, there's, was something which made this sort of obvious point, but I'll make it here the the concept of like a consumer crisis, 2008 was a enterprise crisis, right. Um, an enterprise crisis in the sense that, uh, here, like basically this is a consumer crisis. We believe the last few days have introduced investors, bank policymakers to the new risk of deposit runs in the age of social media. Corporate CFOs, treasurers will likely be proactively looking to diversify their deposits away from any single institution. Regional banks could be at the losing end. So essentially, what that's going to mean is a flight to big banks and then either a CBDC or some people get into Bitcoin. And, um, and again, the reason I keep saying Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is because you need a shelling point in, you know, I was even talking to this Ethereum guy, he's like, yeah, you know, you're right in, in digital wartime, it's Bitcoin. Right. So, so, so it's it's about the one
3: ahead. last one I want to ask though is Yep. so 90 days from now, and you know, you have some people who've followed the advice that they go into Bitcoin for those who stay in dollars and move into big banks. What, 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 what's the next step in your mind? So is it now all of a sudden prices start going up? Like I, like that's what, what I think I'm just trying to understand.
4: Well, so here's the thing is basically, um, part of the point of putting out that tweet was to make the point that the, first of all, when I put that tweet out, it was not yet acknowledged to even be a banking crisis. Okay. If you go and look at these head, like I was seeing this I, once I had put together that the central bank, the banks and the bank regulators had no, had caused and hidden the insolvency of hundreds of banks from you, the depositors with all manner of mumbo jumbo where they lied to themselves and lied to you, uncle Sam bank been freed, where they don't have the dollars on hand. And that now once they, we found out with that first banker, in would be, the they've printed the dollars. Okay. And I'm just explaining in plain language what actually happened. Um, now they printed the dollars so that when you do come for it, you'll get them and you'll wire them to a big bank and they'll roll out the CBDC in July. That's how much time that is basically about 30 days. I mean, 90 days, right? So that July rollout of the CBDC is what you want to get ahead of because after that, they'll probably close it off and make it very difficult for value to escape the system, just like China, where it's very difficult for value to escape the system and you're just locked in. Do you see what I'm saying?
3: So, so you think capital controls... Come, come in the second half of the year.
4: I mean, here's the thing. The problem is every country has rehearsed lockdown. They know how to close their borders, close this, close that, get people to stop moving all that type of stuff. Right. And so like,
3: so so how do you peg capital controls for the U S which is the reserve currency, given that we also have all these swap lines. So we're actually pushing money out all the time.
4: So I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do know that the fiat system will strain with everything it's got to trap value in. Towards the end, and Bitcoin becomes the hardest money around because that's a one number they can't fake. They can't increase the 21 million number, right? Everything I, else. I,
3: it, agree, I agree. with that point. They they can't mess with Bitcoin. I mean, they can shut the fiat rails off, but they can't change the number. Of
4: that's right. And so this thing is basically it exists outside of all this Keynesian macro theory. Like one way of thinking about American macro is it's like Soviet macro. It's just the the aggression is camouflaged. Soviet. Macro is like, go to their house and kill them and take their money, right? American macro is steal it with inflation silently and tell them you're helping them and so on, like the, the 2% annual kind of thing. Right. Um, And, um, but, but it is a robbery nonetheless, like this, you know, this over here. What is that? Right. That is just basically just taking all your money. Like the it just does it slower and more subtly and so on. Right. And that's why, you know, it's funny. I didn't like, again, I didn't fully understand, but you know, like the, uh, the South Park episode where he's like, and it's gone, (laughs) right? That's the American banking system. You're some immigrant engineer. And suddenly they're saying, kill you tech, bro. It's your fault that the money is gone. Right? Literally that's what a lot of people I knew were like, what happened to America? These are all just Indian guys or whatever. And they're like. I'm, and and it's, so many of them said to me, they're like, I trust the Indian banking system more now. Oh my God, I'm out. I'm back. Woo, woo. They were like a heart attack. Their entire business is about to die, right? And they're being blamed for it as a bailout, you know, when they didn't do anything. And they're like, you should have seen it on paragraph 57, right? So you have to like put your head into the model. Like 96% of the world is not American. And also 50% of America doesn't really trust the US government very much. And they shouldn't. And you guys shouldn't. And
3: I, I, I'm not claiming a, a ton of trust in the U S government. You are, but you but my, still have I,
4: that residual amount. That's the thing is you have the residual thing, which says it can be fixed or something like that. And that's how they get you is because you still like the American, I, I know. Do- I
3: trust American, American people and American society, right? American culture, American entrepreneurship, right? Like tech America, like to, to go back to the point of yeah. we don't build things. Yes. We don't build the stuff that, you know, the iPhone that we design and make the chips for, by the way. And then we send it over to get assembled. But the, like SpaceX is an American company, they build those rockets in Los Angeles. They're an internet right? company, Tesla. Yeah,
4: yeah, they're right. they're located. The thing is, they're mentally located on the internet. They're physically located in America, and that's the thing: is the internet is the next America. Um, and we haven't, like, for example, his staff. You know, okay, maybe SpaceX is a little different because maybe because they have they have to hire Americans by law or something like that, right? But even then, he's probably got a lot of second generation immigrants and so on and so forth.
3: Right, and, but that's that's the American values, the American people, right? Like Antonio and I, you, you, like we're all the ch- children of I, immigrants. I, I would say, yeah,
4: but exactly. But that's the thing is, we are about as American as America is British. We are the next thing. The internet is what comes after America. And here's the thing, like being a tech guy in the US after this, some people will blame you for SVB and some people will blame you for having Bitcoin and you probably won't actually want to be in the US. That's what I think. Okay, euthanize VCs, here's the thing, if they said euthanize your race, you would certainly be on the next plane out because you have an immunization, right? Immunization, you've you've seen lots of movies that talk about genocides of race, right? Attacks on the base of race, but most of those in the 20th century were not on the base of race, they were on the base of class, right? Go after, you know, the kulaks, hang them high, you know, like just again, for folks who don't know, um... Basically you're,
3: you're, you're in a pro like, you know, like let's not make sure we go to communist America here, but, but I, I just want to go back to is I don't think the second half of the year, the average American is worried about where their money is, like they, their debit he, card's going to still work. The bread is not going to be $500 <laughs> a loaf. Like it's so like that, that's the, that's the disconnect that I don't have. Right how the how big I, a
4: difference was 1918 from 1917 for the average Russian?
3: That's a completely different situation though. Was it? You, you, they decapitated the government in a, in a, in a coup like that. Like, do do you think that that's going to happen?
4: History doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And in this case, if the fed is the government, right? Because they're more powerful than the president and a new reserve currency is elected by the people of the world. That is the end of the old government.
3: But 50% of the world just, just increased their dollar exposure with the swaps. That's where, that's where I'm still like, not, not seeing the.
4: Because you're, we're still, we're like on day first people didn't even know that there was a crisis. Okay. Now there are two options against USD is no longer too big to fail. There is BTC and there's RMB and we better pray that BTC is the alternative here and it's not RMB. And now the thing is, what's going to happen is if you, I mean, look, put it like this, there's a continuum. Of you know what Connor you, you know Connor's tweet right? Connor's tweet was yeah. like, what, what can you want, you want to put it up?" He's like, "Apology uh, was right." No, no, he's like the worst thing in the world, something like that. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's the original apology was right tweet, right? Which by the yeah. way, I adapted to that New Yorker cartoon and uh, tweeted yesterday. It went over quite well because people thought it was funny. I, I actually I've seen it on a sweatshirt, dude. I want to actually want another shirt. I want. Yeah, the, right.
3: one of the NFT guys has made it into a sweatshirt.
1: I I absolutely want that. By the way, I'm I'm gonna have to pop apology. Sure. Thank you for joining us. I don't want to interrupt the conversation. By the way, opinions are like vectors, they possess both a direction and a magnitude. And I think we are aligned vector-wise. I think magnitude-wise is where the opinions differ in terms of how far along that line.
4: I'm glad because so long as you're in Bitcoin and in a crypto-friendly jurisdiction. That's like, I don't know about timing, so I'm glad. If all I did was I got you to get into Bitcoin and get into crypto-friendly jurisdiction, then I sacrificed for you. I'm serious, <laughs> I'll, have about, you know. about I'll have you, you know. know I've,
3: been, I've been in crypto for 10 years, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. But,
4: but, but you're still in California.
3: I'm not currently in California Okay, right fine, fine, fine. But I that's what I'm in saying. America, biology.
4: All right, fine, okay, <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to say is get out of yeah. blue states, get out of blue coins. <laughs> Get out of blue, blue. I'll have you know, Balaji, <laughs> when, the, when
1: the thing hit, I actually did put Bitcoin in a hard, on, a, on a hardware wallet. Actually, I'll have you know. All I right. had to figure out how cold storage for the first time, which is a little dicey. And then That's... I screwed up the pin and I had to reuse the recovery phrase. It was a total mess. But I I, I did do it.
3: So. I, I actually also have to bounce. But if you guys want to continue, but otherwise, I thought this was a great discussion. And thanks, guys. Very civil and into, intellectual.
2: Great. Yeah. Bal- Balaji, thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, maybe, maybe let's let's wrap on that. Sure. And I'll, uh, I'll edit it and get it up. Okay, um, but I, th- I thought this is a great, uh, great overview, and um, appreciate you, uh, you sharing it with us and and uh, and our audience.
4: All right, thanks guys. Okay, bye. See you.
0: Hey everyone, Eric here. At Turpentine, we're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now.